Hello and welcome to the Swift the SBS podcast. Restrictions across the country have made life a little harder for most. One thing I'm thankful for is still being able to train with friends on Zwift any time of the day. Being motivated by the massive community means there's always someone to ride with and new locations to explore, like the new Japan-inspired Mercury Islands, my personal favorite, and the UCI World Championship courses. Riding with friends makes the training easier and they always know how to push me. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on. Bonjour, bonjour, buenas tardes, and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we start, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or log a ride with our friend at Zwift. Joining me is Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Uh, I'm pretty good. We've, uh, what's the word? We've, um... We've jumped the hump. We've hump day. We've is it hump day? <laughs> hump day. We're over the. We're we're past the halfway mark. Don't wish it away. Don't. We, it's going to be gone like this, and then after that, what's next? Too late, mate. Good news. Three days. Yeah, no. Well, no. There's plenty next. We've still got I the know. world champs right here on SBS. I know, here I know. you go. Insert promo and <laughs> Paris Roubaix. I know. So we've actually still got some big weekends ahead of us. Don't worry. Anyway, uh, joining us all the way from Canberra is uh, Gracie Elvin. How are you, Gracie? I'm going well, thanks. Hola, chicas and chicos. Nice to be with you guys. There we go. <laughs> Hola, que tal? I'm still stuck on uh, dos cervezas, por favor. <laughs> but that's <laughs> survival. <laughs> that's, your, that's your survival words. That's, that's all okay. I need. Yeah. Un salsichon as well. Yes. For, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, what a stage we had yesterday. We will dissect all this uh, today. Uh, but first of all, Maika, what's your feeling on that stage you, you knew i remember you watching this climb and we'll dissect that again but just before we, we go into this i remember you watching the climb yesterday going it's a stiff one it's brutal yeah i mean they've, they'd raced up at three previous times uh igor anton has won up there joaquin rodriguez danny moreno so classic sort of punchy specialists yeah. um short steep Climbs. I mean, Matty Keenan had also said this thing is off the charts. He's been there three times physically okay. on the ground. So he's seen it. He talked about the, the sidewalk uh, with steps going alongside the road. Um, it's so, so steep. It, the vision doesn't do it justice, but we're going to do it a bit of justice today. We, we? try. We mm. try. I'm trying or we're trying to give it justice. Actually, Maka, let, uh, why don't you take us through uh, the last kilometre of that stage yesterday? Magnus Court, after being away all day, left his breakaway companions in the last kilometre. The Peloton, being led by Movistar, were on the charge. With ramps of almost 20%, Magnus Court Nielsen, he still had an advantage, but was it going to be enough? Movistar still at the front, but would soon be overtaken by Jumbo Visma. Sepkus setting up Primoz Roglic potentially for the win. Meanwhile, Court Nielsen was going through a world of hurt and a corridor of noise as still he hung on to a slim lead. Henrik Mas, he had had enough, but he had to get through a touch of elbows. It was all to be played for.
the slopes of Valdepeñas were almost too much for Magnus Court Nielsen. But with 400 metres to go, there was a slight pause. They hadn't yet hit his back wheel. Maybe he could do it. Maybe it was going to be a miracle. Jack Haig, the Australian, once again having a great day consolidating his general classification. Court Nielsen could almost see the finish, but the problem was he could see the charging peloton. Enrique Mas led them into the last corner, but Primoz Roglic was right on his wheel. Roglic, 50 metres from the line, on excruciatingly steep roads, would win. Uh, that was the last kilometer. Sometimes the, kilo the last kilometer are longer than other kilometers. We that know took this. about five minutes <laughs> <laughs> because of the steepness. But how steep was that climb? And, and just you know, let's recap. And, and Gracie, what did you make of this when you see that much hurt on a climb? Oh gosh, I was just like, I was hoping for Magnus Colt Nielsen to claim the victory. I think. We were all just like, nah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. <laughs> so I don't know. I was just, I was just on the edge of my seat, and I think it was really interesting to see how the cat and mouse was playing out with the GC riders. He was, he was right of the day. I thought, Gracie. I mean, you know, we sort of forget. You watch that last kilometre, but we forget that they were away from very early on. He dropped all of his breakaway companions. Like that was super. That was. This guy, he's, he's a special rider, isn't he? Yeah, it's clear that he's on great form at the moment. Um, he's shown that by winning a stage. Um, he's easily riding away from those breakaway riders. And, you know, you have to do that. If you feel good, you've got to go. And I think he can be happy with his effort for that day. Yeah, 100%. So, shall we listen to the uh, to the guy that didn't win the stage yesterday? <laughs> that didn't win? Well, he was the man of the day. He I was the man right of the day. day. Let, let's yep. let's uh, listen to Magnus Court Nielsen, and then we'll debrief everything else straight after this. Well, Magnus, tell us about another another big ride. This time he missed just a bit too much. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very close in the, in the final. Uh, a lot closer <coughs> than, I, than I thought, but... Obviously, I I had to believe, and I believed in it all the way out there. Even though we we never had, I think, almost not more than, than two minutes. And uh, yeah, when we hit the bottom of the, the last big climb, it was just about <coughs> time trialing to to the finish. And uh, yeah, my my legs were, were pretty good, but uh, but in the end, <coughs> they were also they were also empty. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't have have the kick le left for the to the last steep one up to, to the finish line. Yeah, this last steep uh, climb is the hell, no? Ah, it's really hard. It was very hard and uh, and also long. You see one kilometer and the first 200 meters maybe go quick and then you have a couple of very, very steep uh, 100 meters. And uh, <coughs> I think when it was at 500 meters, I was, I was exploded and <coughs> I couldn't do much more than try and recover a little bit and hope the others would stay behind and uh, try and save a little bit for the, for the last the steep 200 meters but but then they passed me and uh, that was it.
Gracie, I think we, we were like like us, you, you must have been hoping for a miracle on the day because at some point it looked like he could have done it. I was really hoping. It was, you know, nine, eight hundred meters to go. He was, you know, hanging in there and the, the GC riders were looking at each other and it looked like it was possible. But as soon as they kicked, you could tell it was all over and he gave it everything and he had no chance to stand up out of his saddle and, and keep going with those guys. It's just good he got one. He's had a stage yeah, win. If he yeah. hadn't had a stage win, you'd be even more disappointed. If, if exactly the same scenario would have happened last week. Yeah, oh, you'd be, oh yeah we'd all be devastated. Yeah. Yeah. But in the end, Primoz Roglic wins that stage. Let's uh, listen to him and then we'll unpack the rest of the stage. Primoz, uh, a beautiful victory. But first, we'd like to hear you talking about your adversaries. Magnus Kort, who was caught just before the end, and Eric Maas. Sorry, about what? Magnus Kort. From EF, ah, you, yeah. you caught him just before the end? Yeah, uh, I was close again. Huh? Uh, I think uh, uh, the other day uh, he was first and I was second. Uh, and I was a little around, but uh, yeah, it was a hard stage. Uh, anyway, it was short but super hot again. And uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I was also suffering a lot, but yeah, luckily here at the end, uh, I had enough for a win. Uh, tell us about uh, the fight at the end with uh, Edric Maas. Oh, you... yeah. Well, well, he's uh, also really uh, super strong. And uh, yeah, luckily <laughs> I had a little more at the end uh, today here. How important was it for you to win today? Yeah, it's, you know, it's always uh, yeah, nice to win. Huh? You never know when is the last one. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. It was a nice finish uh, with steep uphill, uh, which yes, normally I can do well. So uh, yeah, it was a nice challenge. Uh, the team, the team did an uh, amazing job, pushing uh, really hard through the whole day, uh, keeping uh, the breakaway on, on the distance. So big thanks to them. Uh, that yeah, was this possible at the end? And was this the way to put uh, yesterday's crash behind and get the confidence uh, back? Yeah, also uh, uh, yeah, it's always. Uh, Anyway, it was still, uh, yeah, like I said, it was a good day yesterday and uh, I wanted to take positive things, but uh, yeah, we did this today. We go on, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's stopped, it's beautiful. Voilà. Thank you. Voilà. And uh, everything's fine in, uh, in the world of Primoz Roglic. Two things from this interview. First of all, he didn't know who... Uh, 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 Court Nilsson was. <laughs> he was like, "Hey, uh, who? Sorry, it's it's the French accent. I'm telling you, that's I, I I I feel the pain, Jean-François, every day, even with him. It's the same thing every day. But hey, more what? importantly, what was that? <laughs> but more importantly, um, you made the point in the stage yesterday in the coverage. What were they doing? What Yumbo Visma were they doing? They attacked 24 hours too late, pretty much. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I want to get your opinion on this, Gracie. So I did. I said during the commentary, and Matty Keenan was the same. He said, riddle me this, why are Yumbo on the front? Fast forward to the end of the stage, and I said, okay, I think they were crazy. I'll eat my words. But what I mean by that is I still think the tactics were wrong. And tell me if you disagree, but he won the stage, great. But he put two of his men on the front for the bulk of the stage. Roglic has won a bunch of stages, not just at the Vuelta, but at, at all three Grand Tours. He's here for the end game. I just think, why did they do that? Just for him to win a stage and collect a three bonus second off Enrique Mas? 
was it worth it or could this because because I think this could bite them in the third week. I agree with you, Macca, actually. I same as the stage before. I don't know why Roglic attacked and consequently crashed on that descent near the finish. Um, it's quite interesting to see what kind of tactics the Jumbo Visma team are employing and they don't seem to make sense. I would think that they would want to be conservative and save their guys because it doesn't look like they have a super strong team this year to support Roglic every single day. I think they need to really be careful of the matches they're burning. Um, Maka, you've seen teams probably burn themselves in the past. Do you think that they're burning their matches too quickly already? Well, yeah, I guess if we isolate, if we say if we just talk about yesterday and that's a one-off, then I'm okay with that. But like you say, the day before he went on the attack, okay, he crashed. He might have actually gained time if he didn't. But the reality is it didn't work. Yeah. It didn't work. Hasn't worked. It, it, okay, it worked. He won the stage. But you keep doing, you keep racing those tactics. You are, you are tiring your team out. And last year, Richard Carapaz almost took the jersey off him, yeah. I think, on the final True. mountain stage. Yeah. If, and, and we sort of, I don't want to be sound like we're picking on Roglic, but he has faded a little bit in the third week. Yeah. As most guys winning the Tour de France, I think that third week is always tough. So, but that goes back to the point what uh, uh, Patro was making yesterday. Why is he so aggressive? Why does he want to claim every second he can, yeah. every every inch of the road he can? Is he? Does he feel threatened by that third week? Does he know he can actually uh, go down in form in a third week? He knows all his data. Yeah, and the the other thing too, uh, Gracie is, you know, we're okay. We've had a we've had one big mountain stage. We've still got the Lagos de Covadonga. We've got one or two other new mountains yep. in this year's race, like brutal. So we've got it's like we've got the big mountain stages still still to come. Seconds gained here can turn into minutes lost mm-hmm. in the third week. I think definitely. I think uh, Roglic's actions and in the team's actions kind of speak to two reasons. One of them being that they're scared and. They're, they're trying to be defensive and to try and get, you know, bonus time whenever they can because they're worried about the third week. And maybe the other reason is he doesn't really care. He's just being a little bit arrogant, for le- lack of a better word. Not in a bad way, but maybe he doesn't feel the need to get the red jersey again. And he's just trying to have fun and, and race unpredictably just for the fans. Um, and there's also a, a big time trial at the end of this tour so maybe he's banking on that one as well what do you guys think about that theory yeah yeah i like i like your bit on that and you're right it's not really arrogance it's probably a bit a bit cruel but uh yeah he's confident he's 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 got he's got confidence in himself he's up and about his mojo's up i think there's a little bit of that and we all know everyone can get a little bit overconfident at times he's a bit of a uh, He's taking the role of the boss mm. in the peloton. Mm. Yeah, we we, yeah. we sort of notice. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look at the the camaraderie that is actually happening in the peloton because this was straight after uh, the finish line, and he had a battle with Mass, as you said. Uh, let's have a look at uh, straight after that finish line.
Guys, we uh, love to see a bit of rivalry, love and respect out there. Um, it's always nice to see athletes giving each other a pat on the back, but it's not always the case, is it, Maka? It's not always the case. You're right. We, that's that's the nice yeah. side of, of that like, camaraderie. Oh, you're so strong. <laughs> no, you're stronger. No, I think you're quicker yeah. and I love you. And let's go to the beach yeah. and have some cocktails. But during the stage, yeah. our cameras also picked up, and I almost forgot about this actually, uh, the, the break had gone and Bertigos were desperate to get in the move. And they'd said before, and look at this, this is Angel Madrazo. Trying to go on the counter-attack. They shut him down. It's a little bit close-up and personal. I don't like this, Gracie. I don't like it. It's I don't like it. Who do, who do I sound <laughs> like? Too, too many bad memories, my <laughs> Yeah. No, no. It's this, it's this sort of intimidation, if you like. And it's like the bigger team telling the small teams, no, no, you can only attack when we can tell you you can attack. Or, you know, we're, we're going to the front now, so you just sit back behind us. I don't like it. What do you think? Well, as many fans would know, there's a lot of unwritten rules and etiquette in cycling and certainly a lot of hierarchy as well. So this is actually not that uncommon for it to happen. And um, sometimes you see it um, non-verbal intimidation of riders just getting in the way or, you know, giving them a, a stern look. But when there's words, it's uh, clear that they're trying to make a point and be dominant in the race. But... I think, you know, it's hard to know exactly what they're saying. So it, we can be hard on them. But I think in racing, you know, a certain team, if they're feeling a bit vulnerable, like Jambo Visma looks to be, maybe they do want to step in and say something to just, you know, use it as a tactic to preserve whatever they're trying to preserve. Is it something you've seen as well in the women's peloton or is it a bit nicer uh, in, a, in, in there or is it you know, exactly the same? Um, the women's peloton is actually very respectful and in general it, that kind of stuff doesn't happen too often but I've certainly seen it. I've been on the receiving end and um, I hate to say it, I've probably been on the giving end of it too when we've been <laughs> defending the likes of Anna Meek and co. So it, yeah, it definitely happens in the women's peloton as well. Yeah, and, and you know what? I had a, an old pro uh, many years ago said to me, uh, we're, we're at a race somewhere in China actually and we we're talking about this sort of stuff, exactly the same topic. And he said, you know what, Maka? He said, I always like to think there's one boat in professional cycling. Okay. There's one boat. Some of you are getting into the boat. You're climbing aboard. Some have been in there for a while. And some are actually exiting the boat because they're retiring. Yeah. It's the same boat. So he said, <laughs> you've got to look after the boat. And he said, and he, you know, and he was effectively saying, respect each other. And... I'm with you, Gracie. I've been, I reckon, uh, men are a lot worse, I think. <laughs> um, and I've been on both ends of it. But I like to think in general terms, and I can't necessarily speak for the women's peloton, and I look I'd, for the men's peloton, not necessarily either. But I think they're a better generation yeah. than previous ones. I think there is generally a lot more respect. We just happen to see that incident 
is the fact that uh, English, being a language that is now shared amongst the peloton, helps a little bit as well to better communicate. So therefore, there's uh, the incidents don't go any further down the line, and the arguments go <laughs> uh, in conflicting, in, lost in the translation. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. However, Gracie, there's about three or four English words that are sort of universally <laughs> used still let to this make day. A, let me make I a won't note say of them. <laughs> We're not allowed to on this show. This is a PG show. Well, I, I've, I've beeped some of them. <laughs> you have. No, but you're spot on, and I, I, it still fascinates me, Gracie, that, and I love this that. Um, we're listening to these Europeans in almost perfect English, some of them, in interviews. 15 years ago, it was really hard to get that. Oh, for sure. I think it's funny um, being in a peloton and, and having it such a strong English speaking now. I'm really grateful for that. As an Australian, you kind of feel a bit lazy that you don't have to speak any other language. Um, but it's funny when you're in a peloton, it's usually the Dutchies that are yelling at you and telling you what to do, but it's the Italians that are swearing at you. Um, and Christoph, <laughs> I would have loved to have seen you as a cyclist. I think you would have been quite fiery. I'm not sure. <laughs> funny, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> funny, you would have been the Funny joker. looking. Funny you looking. You would have been the yapper. You would have just yeah. been that one going, yippity yip, yip, yeah. you know, yeah. at the front. Be careful, uh, be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> we have the same leader as uh, yesterday. Odd Christian Aking is still in red. Uh, let's listen to him. Top 10 today? Has the red jersey helped you to make this top 10? Uh, I just saw my biggest opponent uh, for the jersey was uh, fighting for the victory with uh, Roglic who, who won and uh, Guillaume Martin who, uh, who also was fighting and uh, then I, I didn't want to lose too much time so I just followed them actually and uh, it resulted in a top 10 so that's also nice. Yeah. So it's you 10th and Guillaume Martin 11th, is that exactly what you wanted? Uh, yeah, I saw I passed him. In the last few meters, uh, I'm glad I did, uh, so I could sneak into the top ten. How was your day in the red jersey? Does it change anything? No, it was really nice. It was, uh, it was uh, really, really fun and enjoyable to uh, to be in this jersey today. Yeah. Since you took this jersey yesterday, you have had time to look at the, the course. How many days do you think you can keep it? Oh, actually, I just take day by day, and today was actually a little bit harder than I expected with uh, tailwind uh, all the way and a solid pace by uh, some team who wanted to keep it together for a for a, for a, for a, a sprint or a, a fight for the victory in the peloton. And uh, no, it was really hard today, but uh, I'm glad I could keep it, and I hope I could, can fight to keep it tomorrow too. Decent tack. As the red jersey, old Christian Aking, how long do you think he can keep this jersey? We know the fight is on uh, and he's kind of the, the holder of the jersey at the minute. Uh, how far do you think he can go on this well, one? Well, I think at the end of the stage, if his hair is out of place, that probably means he's lost it. Like, seriously, perfect mop I of know. hair. I tweeted I'm today, only a little bit jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I tweeted today that I need a haircut and this gives me haircut envy. Absolutely. <laughs> like, he, he looks like a pop star. He's, he's, like, he's just finished a 140-kilometer lung-busting 20% climb. Love it. The hair's but he's, he's more than a haircut, mate. He's, he's, more, he's more actually a... the leader of the Vuelta. Gracie, uh, what is it about <laughs> Scandinavians? They're all just beautiful, all of them. Look, I've raced on teams with Scandinavians, and I'll attest to them being quite good-looking. <laughs> and um, even with a face mask on, I don't know how they do it. 
it's crazy. Uh, in terms of okay, the red jersey, and also let's let's go forward and push forward uh, to the to the tactics. How do people stop from uh, Roglic claiming back this jersey and winning? And there's a question here or comment actually from Peter that says, if Mass and his teammates gang up against Roglic, they will catch him, and hopefully Jack Haig can actually be dropped, uh, dragged into this discu- this this whole discussion in, uh, in in the podium. Yeah, yeah. Good analysis. Uh, who, sorry, who was that from? It's from Peter. Peter, good analysis. I think uh, Movistar have got, they've got two-pronged attack now, haven't they, Gracie, with Lopez and Mas. And they look the best they have for a long time, I think, Movistar as a team. And, and Jack, to me, looks like he's getting better each day. I definitely agree with that. It was cool to see Mas really sticking it to Roglic um, on the pre on the last stage. So I really want to see what more he can do. He's certainly coming out as the leader for Movistar, but you know it's a strong team, and you know that they're also making Ineos look a bit silly, in my opinion. I think they're really dropping off the radar. But it's so cool to see Jack Haig building his form and his confidence back into the race, uh, Christoph. I'm sure you'd be stoked, even though he's uh, not French, to see him on the podium one day, get a stage yeah, win, or yeah. even keep climbing back onto GC. Absolutely. I mean, I'm all, I'm all for him to win the Vuelta, actually. It would be absolutely amazing for, for him to... It's, a, it's an interesting point you make about uh, Ineos, because I was going to ask the question, where are they? Where are Ineos at the minute? They're, as Matty Keenan has said, they're leaking time. Yeah. I'm not sure how you leak it. <laughs> they, they are leaking time. Bernal and Yates both lost a few more seconds yesterday. Look, everyone did to Roglic. Yeah. Um, Do you know what? Let's listen to uh, Tom Peacock. Tom Peacock's got a little, uh, little bit of an insight of what's going on here at uh, Ineos. Last year, we have seen uh, in Grand Tours, Team Ineos changing goals from uh, GC to stages. Is it the case uh, in La Vuelta also this year? Um, well, for sure, we will drive stages. Um, but yeah, I mean, the GC, the last week is super hard. I don't think yeah, the GC is not over for sure yet. Um, so yeah, we, we're kind of on two fronts now. Thank you. Short short answer, but I think that raises the question, uh, at what time Ineos will need to switch their tactics from a GC to a stage win? Where where, where are they at at the minute? Well, they've already, already, they they had Dylan Van Bala in the break two days ago Uh when when Michael Storer won his second stage. Gracie, I'm putting you on the spot. Can Bernal still win the Vuelta? No, I don't believe so. I think Bernal and Yates are just off the pace. Um, Carapaz is really just a support rider and was clear from the first few stages. I think they need to go for stage wins and I think Tom Peacock is their golden key to salvage something from this welter. Yeah, I mean, they. yeah, I agree with you, by the way, on, on the Bernal. Uh, I don't think they should give it up. Like, they shouldn't give up on the GC, but they, they've got to start putting more guys yeah. in the breakaways, yeah? Like, but if they sit back now, they get they get, potentially get nothing. Can we quickly touch on the, the form from Todd Pickup? Because he, he became Olympic champion in uh, in Tokyo. Then the day after, he hanged his bike and he got the bike back just three or four days before this Vuelta. Mm. How long does he need to be back to his best, his best form in order to be competitive, even just at the stage level? I, I reckon that's a question for you, Gracie, as a former mountain biker. Like, how can he... 
I mean, we saw Matthew Vanderpoel. He was flipping the other way. Well, no, flipping the same way, I guess, off a couple of mountain bike World Cups to the Tour de France. Can can Pitcock do something here? Is it is it, or does he need longer? Does he need another race, or can he do it at the Vuelta? I think he can, but I don't know what his build-up was for the Olympic Games, but he certainly put a lot of focus on that mountain bike race, and he was in Tokyo longer than most of the other athletes were. So I think mentally having that time off the bike is a huge chance to refresh yourself, and I don't think it would have affected his form that much. You lose um, a little bit of your VO2 max over one week, definitely over two weeks, but it bounces back really quickly. And it, racing at a Grand Tour is one way to bring it up really quickly. So he's got that background. He's got that talent. I believe he can definitely get a stage win here if they give him that opportunity. Yeah, that's probably more of a question. Yeah, do they yeah. give? They got to give him the opportunity to get yeah. up the road. Yeah. But are they learning? Are they learning? This is the other thing because they're still on their old older ways. Are they learning yeah. and trying to just go and say, hey, you know, uh, I hate that word pivot, but can they change? Well, if, out, I mean, uh, I guess the flip side is, you know, we we get critical when they don't start winning for good reason. They got the biggest budget or yeah. close to it in the world. But if Bernal was on great form, everything would be rosy, and we yeah. might not question their tactics as much. He's clearly not at, at his best form, is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Roglic is great, but Bernal at his best form, the way he won that stage in the Giro to tell you, the dirt climb section, very similar to But to we, we, can speak, we can speak for hours about this, but what about Yates? Yates has his first Grand Tour of the year, first Grand Tour for Ineos. Mm. Where is he? Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. like, you can talk about Bernal, but where is Yates? No, no, it's true. It's so, true. Look, and he's... Yeah, you can argue he's looked better than Bernal. Yeah, I feel like um, uh, there's a couple of comments here, and I feel like it's actually true. Uh, apparently, Catherine said I could have been a very fiery racer, uh, but also there's someone that says I could have been actually a little Jack Russell racer. Yeah. And I'm feeling like, yeah, come on, Ineos, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no, you can debate it for, yeah. you know. The, the, look, either way, the next 10 days is going to give us the answers. 100%. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Jay Vine. Something happened in the team uh, yesterday. Philipson exited yes, the race. Yes. Uh, the question was put to him, what does that change for his team? Jay, uh, racing without Philipson now, what will it change for you guys at La Vuelta? Um, well, nothing much really, because there's not many more stages for Jasper Philipson as there was, was there? Um, so, yeah, we're same same plan as uh, what we had before. Um, we're going for opportunities in breakaways um, and possibly some GC work in the final week. You are discovering the Grand Tour. You were very enthusiastic at the start. Are you still enthusiastic? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, yesterday was so much fun, um, even though um, I didn't get in the final move. It was, it was just a really good day on the bike. So he's uh, still having fun. And, and, and how much actually, Gracie, do you think he's actually learning day by day? Even though now Philipsen is gone, that's probably opening up a lot more possibilities, a lot more opportunities for someone like him to show himself. It's been so cool to see Jay Vine mixing it in there with some of the best riders in the world. We've seen him on the front a few times pulling for his team for those sprint stages. So now that he doesn't have that responsibility to, you know, be the support rider for his teammate, it really opens up. And now he's seen how hard it is to get into a break on some of these days that have taken an hour or more for these breakaways to finally snap off the peloton. He knows what it takes. I think he's capable of it. 
and he's got a few other strong teammates that he can play off. So I hope he gets a chance. There's certainly some strong guys in his team that also want a shot. Um, Edward Plankard, I think, is probably one of their best bets for a, a win from the breakaway. He's come off a, a stage win at the Vuelta Burgos recently, and he's been riding really well in the Vuelta here. So I don't know. I think there's no expectations on Jay Vine, um, guys. I think that... He can just enjoy it, keep learning, and use it for the upcoming races. But you never know, he might get up the road. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, Gracie, I just want to get your thoughts. We keep, we talk about the Millie most days, and they've been super active. What a bike exchange. What have they got to do? Like, I don't think they're doing much wrong, but they're not winning. So something's not working. What do you think they need to do to, to try and stage win here? It's a really tricky position to be in, I think, when you you know you have good tactics and it's just not working. Do you change tactics or do you keep trying again until it does work because you know they're good tactics? Um, I think that they would be asking themselves that question now of, like, do we change? Do we put riders in breakaways more? Um, what's it going to take? Do we keep backing Matthews? Um, I believe that they should. I don't think that you should stop with uh, what you believe in until you really know it's not working anymore. And I feel like they still have a few more chances. And actually tonight's stage might suit Michael Matthews. So I hope that they keep backing him because, you know, he deserves it. He's trying super hard. He doesn't quite have it, but I don't think it's anything to do with his form or the way the team's riding per se. Um, yeah. They could just tidy up what they do, I think. So, so just to, then to follow on from that, and I'm sort of with you. I think they've still got to back Michael in because he is in great shape. Does he try and get in the break tonight? Well, actually, should we go to the stage? Yeah, Can we go to the we stage this, and then... Uh, just another quick question on this. Mm. Uh, the fact that Philipsen is not here anymore, surely that opens up one more seat at the front of a sprint with Michael Matthews. So therefore, is a little bit more chances coming forward. Will he stay until the next stage? There's the only sprint. two more. I know. From what we understand, there's only he, two more sprints. Will he stay longer than he thought? Because he think, well, you know, uh, in the end, I can actually do it. Mm. Or not? I don't know, Gracie. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I don't know. Looking at the profile of this stage, um, I think being in a breakaway might be a better option because Matthews is really quick in a bunch sprint, but he's still not getting in that top three very often, if not at all. So even if Philipson's gone, there's still a few other guys there that are quicker. So he still needs to be the quickest guy in a reduced group. Yeah. So you think break tonight? I'd say so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. All right. I'm, my tipping comp. Thanks. I'm just. <laughs> I'm backed him the last two nights. <laughs> we all, we all did. But no, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't I know. I know. I know. Uh, I let's look at the. Uh, let's look at the, the the profile for tonight. Uh, Maka, this bound to be a very exciting stage again. Yes, it is. Look, it's it's going to be fast at the start, and I think what we're going to see is it will be hard, or as Gracie pointed out, what we've seen the you know the last few days, it's going to take an hour. I think, for the break to get away, maybe longer, maybe 70, 80 kilometres downhill from the start. There's only 2,000 metres of climbing, guys. Um, only. Com well, compared to yesterday, yeah. it was two and a half in the shortest stage of the race. Yeah. So this is 175, so it's 40 kilometres longer with 500 metres less climbing. So this is a slightly easier day, but you've still got those two kinks at the end. Um, so it's... 
it, it's actually a it'll be a good stage to watch mm -hmm. I think because there's a lot of things that can unfold yeah absolutely uh, and of course you'll be uh, commentating this stage well like, do like we'll every do. other stage what time are we on can you oh, just check for remember. me <laughs> <laughs> the boss is watching what time is he on <laughs> doesn't remember Ten, I believe it's 10.50 it's 10.50 yeah that's yeah. when I'm coming in anyway. <laughs> uh, any other news yes there is and it's some other news uh, now Gracie I'd like to get your thoughts on the world's team specifically the women's uh, I'll just run through them quickly I'm sure you know them it's just been announced the last couple of days. We've got Chloe Hosking, Tiff Cromwell, Amanda Spratt, Sarah Roy, Loretta Hanson, Brody Chapman, and Jess Allen. Anyone missing, or are we happy with that? I'm really excited about this team. I think they picked the right team for the course. I don't think they've left anyone out intentionally. Um, it's going to be a challenging course. It's one for the one-day classics riders. Um, my guess is they'll, they've got Chloe Hosking for plan A and they'll have a few riders in the wings for plan B if it comes to an aggressive race or a breakaway. Um, we have Sarah Roy, who's a proven sprinter in smaller group situations. Tiff Cromwell is a brilliant tactician and she's a great rider in her own right. And um, I'm really excited to see Loretta Hansen on the start list. This is her first World Championships for Australia. Um, she's very well deserved to be selected. And um, she is a teammate on Trek Segafredo with Chloe Hosking. So they already have a nice working relationship. Could be a great lead out rider for Chloe. Um, but she's actually really got a great racing head on her. So she'll be really handy if it gets aggressive and she can sprint. So she's one to watch in the future, and I'm really glad she's getting this opportunity. Yeah, here, here. I, I saw that. It's her first world. So, yeah, well done to Loretta Hanson. Um, so you think you think plan A will be Chloe? Uh, so, and, and by saying that, I guess we, we're presuming, or you're presuming, it could be a bunch sprint finish or a reduced group. It's going to be most likely a reduced group finish. There's still a bit of climbing in this race. It's not a flat course, but they are predicting it to be a sprinter's course. Chloe has been a proven uh, top-class sprinter for many years now, um, but she can make it over a lumpy course if she's really fit, and she's proving to be um, coming up back into form after having COVID for most of the year, unfortunately. But, you know, that may, might make her fresher and hungrier for these world championships, whereas everyone else is just trying to hang in there for the last part of the season. So I'm definitely backing her as a friend, but as a fan. So, um, guys, we all back Chloe, and we've all had the tears last week when yeah. she won a stage. Oh, so I was yeah, Don't start me again. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, <laughs> I'll get, cry. Ready. I'm going to cry. <laughs> get, get ready. Get ready for it. <laughs> um, well, that's good because, and also, which I wasn't expecting this, and this is, you've opened my thought process up on this world's course and we no doubt will delve into it closer yep. too but Caleb Bewan's on the on the men's team as well yeah along with Matthews and, and a host of other guys so sorted I wonder if plan a will be uh Caleb yep. because similar sort of rider to a degree like Chloe he mm -hmm. can he's not he is a purist but he can get over lumpy, yeah, yeah, lumpy, lumpy circuits yeah, on his day Absolutely, this is uh, so much more to, mm. to look for. Mm. Thank you, Gracie. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Gracie. Thank Cheers. you, Micah. Thank you. Thank this you very is, much. This is it, I think. Yeah, I think we're done. Okay, cool.
correct? I, I don't know what time you're on. I haven't been pinged, uh, but <laughs> you're on at some point. So. <laughs> I'll come in early just in case. Uh, remember, every stage uh, live on SBS Viceland, on SBS On Demand, and of course on the SBS Tracker. Great addition this year. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we go, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, uh, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Next episode of this live uh, broadcast is tomorrow, same place, same time. Until then, it's bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsors with La Vuelta is all about climbing. So why not try Geraint Thomas's athlete workout? Fun is flying uphill. A great pillar of any climbing is muscular endurance. And believe me when I say that's what you'll get. Testing yourself on training plans alongside world-class cyclists is what makes Zwift so exciting. I can't wait to show my mates the fitness I've been able to build at home. All you need is a bike, trainer and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Right on.